0: Hey, everybody, welcome to the MBIT podcast in which we discuss entrepreneurship, finance, and technology. Today, we whipped up a riveting episode for you guys. Daniel Goldman will be joining the podcast to discuss his company, Unbanked. So, uh, thank you, Daniel, for taking the time to hop on the podcast. How are you doing today?
1: Seamus, brother. Thanks for having me, man. It's going to be riveting. Yes it is. I'm so, uh, say that I'm very excited about this.
0: <laughs> yeah, I appreciate you taking the time some quick background here. you you started off at seventeen and homeless and twenty years later, as we mentioned before, it's quite a time difference, but still an accomplishment to be building a multi-million dollar business. But before we get into too deep into the things, quick disclaimer podcast is not financial or investment advice and is not a research report. But to start off here, how did you get started in the financial services industry? Let's start with unbanked.
1: So we started unbanked. We used to be called Turnio, and we originally used blockchain technology. We had a 40 page white paper to use blockchain technology to solve a problem for the supply chain of digital advertising. We had one page in our white paper focused on our visa debit card. You could spend crypto, right? And that became the business is one page out of 40 pages. Um, it evolved into unbanked, which is really just like a crypto neobank and really super proud of it now i had worked in financial services um several years back many 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 years ago and i got some insight into you know how that industry works uh frankly i think it's a bit of a a, it's a predatory industry in some some ways not always depends on the on the actor in the in the space but um but i think that it's clear to me that you know when, when we talk about cryptocurrency people typically think of like bitcoin or hey, should I buy that Doge token? You know, I hear that like all the time, right? Uh, what do you think about Doge or Ethereum? That's and they show me like their wallet, I'm like oh, I've got this. Yeah. Um, it, you know, it, 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 that's like, you know, it's that's that's cool. And I love Bitcoin, I'm a big believer in Bitcoin. But it, it's so much bigger than that, so much broader than that. We're talking about stable coins, people having access to dollars. It's not an investment to be in a dollar, but I can send you money across the world anywhere quickly and cheaply without having to ask a bank for permission, that's cool. Um, I can pay for services that way. I can connect that to a Visa debit card, like what we do. I can then have my funds in my own wallet, and I can connect that to a yield product, like what we got coming out early April. I'm very excited about that. Earn 20%, you know, yield on on your dollar. I think that's super cool. And so it's like, those are the kinds of services that, and oh, by the way, you know, the fee structure for banks is built on top of how how to charge you more money. That's their model. It's, it, right. you can either provide more value or you can, you know, find a way to just charge people more money. And, right. and there's a lot of people's within, you know, people with MBAs and I talk about this all the time. And it's like, you know, you it, it, a good example, McDonald's. I worked at McDonald's two and a half years. We talked about McDonald's before. Yep. So McDonald's used to probably presumably have a pretty decent hamburger. I can't eat a McDonald's hamburger right now. I don't think it's a real hamburger. I don't understand how people can eat this hamburger. It's disgusting to me. I don't like McDonald's hamburger. I can't stress how bad their hamburger is. At some point, they had 100% ground beef, and then somebody somebody was like, you know what we're going to do? is We're just going to take 5% of that hamburger and put it in fillers, and then we'll save 5% on the cost, and they don't know the difference. It's like, that's genius. And then, you know, McDonald's been around since the, you know, 40s, 50s. So then... Fast forward, fast forward a few years, the CEO leaves and then they're like, oh, they got their multi-million-dollar package. They killed it. Meanwhile, they're, you know, uh, subsistence workers making, you know, for basically living paycheck to paycheck because they had this genius idea to degrade the product. And then the next CEO is like, you know what? We got 95 percent, you know, ground beef. Why don't we just make it 90 percent? And then that that continues that continues. Mm -hmm. Or at a bank, you have people just saying, well, we're charging 250. Why don't we just charge them three? Right. It's, it's all the time. So at some level, we've got to like say, wait a minute, as consumers and individuals and say that well, this is, you know, we can do better. And, and cryptocurrency is going to allow you to be your own bank and give you more control over your own money and not be, not have to have the fee structure. When I was 21 I, or 2020, 20, I was basically getting $200 a month in ATM or, uh, or late fee charges or whatever, you know, like overdraft, right. $200 a month in overdraft. Yeah. I could not catch up because every month I'd pay $200. I could never catch up. It was just a, it was a hole. They That's the way this
0: design, they keep tracking money out of you. Yeah.
1: And they know that and they know that they're not stupid. They're savvy. So if they're savvy and they're doing that to people, it's with intent, you know, and if it's with intent, it's malicious. So we've got to do better. We got to do better and we will do better. And I think it's going to start with education. And that means people need to know it's not just about like, oh, by the way, crypto can be like gambling. So be careful. So it's not all roses. It can be a lot of negative stuff, but it also is going to solve a lot of problems. And that could just be digital dollars. I believe in Bitcoin. Bitcoin is a great thing. I'm a hundred percent believer in Bitcoin long-term and um. It could be smart contracts and what Ethereum is doing with smart contracts and the ability to transfer value without any intermediary, without anyone's permission, transfer value is beautiful. So although I would say Ethereum is not made for poor people now, it's very expensive. So um, yeah, that's that's how I view the world.
0: How is uh, crypto and DeFi integrated into your business?
1: Well, fundamentally, an easy way to think about is we have a crypto debit card. It's very easy because if you have cryptocurrency and you got to go through an exchange and it's a total hassle because I got to go, how do I get that money to my bank account or whatever? We literally, and maybe your bank will shut you down for sending funds from Coinbase. That has happened, right? Many times. What if you could just deposit your Bitcoin and then just swipe it and spend it on a, on a debit card? Now, you know, it's converted in dollars and the dollars are spent. But the right. point is seamless, ex- seamless experience to where you're effectively spending your crypto in a way where it cleanly converts into fiat. We do that, right? We have bank accounts that let you buy crypto. And then as, as I said before, the, the yield product where that's gonna be resonated for everyone. People in, we have bank accounts in 234 countries around the world will be able to literally wire in funds if they want to connect it to their wallet and then earn yield if they wish, if they wanna do that. Or they can buy Bitcoin if they wanna do that. So that, that to me is game-changing stuff giving people more control and the ability to earn money on their own money in a way that they won't get from today, from a bank. By the way, it's not that banks can't do that. Banks do that all the time. It's yeah. just that they keep all the money for themselves.
0: Completely agree. So quick question. So if I were to have an unbanked debit card and I swiped it at a transaction for a merchant, would that merchant be getting paid in cryptocurrency or would it be in fiat?
1: Yeah. So <clears throat> we're not changing the way that the, the system operates. We're just making it convenient for the consumer. So from your point of view, you have funds sitting in an e-wallet. If you want to withdraw your funds back on the blockchain, you can, because now you have the ability to withdraw it without having to go through a third-party intermediary. You're literally withdrawing it to the blockchain, no fee whatsoever. Or when you swipe your card, the merchant gets fiat, and your crypto is sold into fiat on on an exchange.
0: Yeah, so the main reason why banks have a lot of these fees is it's an revenue producing asset. So if you're eliminating a lot of these fees, what are some sources that you're using to get revenue?
1: Well, we charge $5 a month. You know, I'm a firm believer in the Netflix model. My hope is that, you know, like if you watch a million you know, movies in a month, not that you probably could, but you, you know, conceptually, they don't charge you more money at Netflix. They just have your monthly subscription fee, right? right? Whether you watch five or you watch 25, it's the same cost. Um, I, I kind of think that's a square deal. It's just it's just kind of like, look, it's there for you and you can use it. And I really, I'll give you an example. If a bank does an ACH, we live in 2022. All right. So a bank does an ACH, they pay the Fed a penny to do an ACH. Yep. The money then gets transmitted the next day, but they might hold it for a few days because they want to keep that for themselves, depending on what they want to charge you. They'll charge you three, five or $10. So they pay a penny. They charge you dollars for almost no risk because they're, they're, you're the customer and they're sending the money. There's like very little risk for them. So there, it's, a, it's a revenue generating model for them, right? I, I view a world where you fundamentally have like unlimited ACH where, you know, you set a transfer, great, no problem. Or you're going to use a, an ACH and, and wires will basically be like the fax machine. Can I use a fax machine in 2022? Yes. Do I need to? No, because why? Because I also don't use a carrier pigeon. You know, I have email and I have other, you know, sources of communications nowadays, text message and a million other things. Why would I be using a fax machine? Unless I'm using probably some government agency, frankly, that still uses fax machines. So I think wire ACH are fundamentally gonna when when you look at it 10 years from now, you say, well, they're still around, it will still exist, but it will be as uh, fundamentally it will be the 8-track. The I mean, you're still young. Have you ever seen an 8-track in your life? Nope. Okay. Well, the funny thing is, if you look it up, the 8-track was the premier uh, technology when Nacha was created in 1973. So the same technology we're using for the banking system, okay, yep. the 8-track was the, was the top of the line of the technology that existed. And that's what you're using today for banking.
0: Wow, that's crazy. I think that's one of the key things is that not only is your company on solving a problem for customers but it's also making it frictionless and anytime you have a combination of those two things it's uh, setting it up for uh large amounts of potential success um because you're making it easier for the customer to do business and i was talking to a venture capitalist the other day and that's one of the key things that can help build successful businesses is not only solving a problem but reducing the friction for the customer
1: you hear that a lot especially from vc it's not um, it's not untrue if you reduce friction you can do that a lot of different ways it can be a fundamental change it can be just a you know better user interface make it so easy apple pay is so easy you know it's just so easy it's just like i remember the first time i did apple pay i was like that's it (laughs) that was beautiful that was amazing so like you know they didn't change there's a lot of tech underneath that right and they had to build a whole bunch of stuff of course it's apple so they've got a lot of a lot of money but, um, and capabilities, but they made a really beautiful user experience. And I think the more, and, and you don't need crypto to make a better user experience. So by the way, if you use web, you hear web three a lot or DeFi, there's still a long ways to go when it comes to building the Apple pay of DeFi. Like there's still a long ways for us to go, right? But to your point, reducing that friction and make it easy and convenient for people. There's a reason people go to a convenience store and pay for a pack of gum when they don't need to do that. It's because it's just so convenient. You walk in the door, you give them two bucks, you're out and you're done. You go to the grocery store, you got to park further away, blah, 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 blah. Right?
0: hundred percent. When we're talking about you guys raising capital, one of the questions I've had is what what was your thought process when you're choosing to raise capital on Republic versus going to other VCs or angel investors?
1: Well, I like Republic a lot, frankly. they're connecting to a bunch of investors. They already have a huge investor network. So by working through the reg CF and doing a safe note, you're familiar with the safe notes, I'm assuming.
0: Yep. Yep. Okay.
1: I like the safe note. It's very rare that you'll meet a VC. Raising capital is not easy. It's very rare that you'll meet, you'll meet a VC and they'll suggest a safe note because it's the fairest terms you can have. Right. For everybody. And I've dealt with enough... Um, VCs to know that, uh, well, depending on the one, right? Some of them are all about the mission, but at the end of the day, coldly, they have a job. Their job is to make as much money as possible, right? That's the bottom line. You shouldn't, I don't hate them for that. Um, but when, you know, we had an offer, like let's say, for example, in December to, to you know, in the millions, um, but the terms were dissatisfactory to us. And so we were not willing to, to give in to shitty terms just so we could have some cheap, you know, some quick, quick cash. Right. And we're very careful. So at least with the going with a Republic type of offering, you're setting the terms it's transparent to the marketplace. You're saying, here's what we're offering everyone. You're giving people protection on the downside. You're also giving them protection on the upside as well. And it's a square deal. And so plenty of VCs will invest in a, in a reg CF, uh, and plenty of angel investors will, will invest in Rec. CF. And um, I've, I've always been a big fan of Republic. We did our, one last thing. We just got out of the test of waters campaign where we've, from what we've been told, which is the best test of waters campaign they've ever had. Um, we're raising 5 million on a um, 20% discount, safe note, with a 115 million cap. And in the first two weeks, we raised 1.5, 1.6 million dollars. So it just went live and we we're finally starting able to actually market it where we in the Tesla Waters campaign we couldn't. Uh, so I'm very optimistic about our round. And you know, when you're competing against well-funded competitors and we're expanding and we're doing a lot of stuff on the regulatory side and big, big dreams and plans and stuff we're doing, yep. we've only ever raised $1.4 million since we started four years ago. So you you have to have capital to be competitive in the space. And we need we're about to go through, we've proven product market fit but we wanna go through a hyper growth stage. And and that means putting a little gas on the fire.
0: And uh, when analyzing your previous history as an entrepreneur, uh, you founded Ad3, Amplify Social Media and multiple uh, digital media companies. How Mm -hmm. did those go and what are some of the most important lessons you learned founding those companies that you will or Mm -hmm. already are applying to Unbanked?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, all of them were fundamentally digital. I really enjoyed all of them. So I always like to do whatever I do, I do something that I enjoy. Um, Amplify was very political. I uh, did a lot of stuff for the Democratic Party, driving political messaging and campaigns that and I helped them with, ACLU, SCIU, AFL-CIO, Nancy Pelosi, um, DNC, DCCC. I did a lot of work. Uh, you know, I, I do the stuff I like um, and You know, with uh, some of the digital media companies, it was very, frankly, made a lot of money. It was democratic politics again, but for specifically like, you know, media. And so I made a lot of money there, very successful. Um, Ad3 Media was an ad tech company, which is why we started looking at Ternio as being a solution for using blockchain and digital advertising for my co-founder, Ian. He was my, he was a chief revenue officer there. And so... You know, we did that. And then also, I had one failure that was actually a tremendous success, but it was a failure financially because we didn't know how to monetize it. And I thought I bet on monetization that we didn't quite figure out. So I actually lost enough money on on that. I had never lost money on any project ever. Uh, I was very proud of my streak there, but it was very successful from a standpoint of driving. views and getting like getting a lot of visibility and had we monetized it it would frankly be worth a lot of money but but we couldn't monetize it and that was a really important lesson for me and 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 anytime you're an entrepreneur you're always taking a risk yeah you know you're you're putting money forward you're putting in a lot of work even if you have a low amount of money you capital you put in like your podcast is probably not labor capital intensive right not at all yeah but you got to put in the work
0: yeah Time. time
1: yeah yeah time, time and effort, time and effort. And so imagine a world where like at, when we started on banks, where for the first two years, you're putting in all the hustle and you don't have anything coming in. There's only work and, and you're exporting effort, and you're getting nothing financially and you're taking all that risk and you still got to pay the bills. You still have to pay the, 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 the water bill and the electricity bill still has to get paid. The mortgage still comes in every day, every every month, right? You still got the car bill if you have a car bill. So, so like, uh, yeah, you put food on the on the table. Um, it's 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 a stressful life when you're building a business if you don't have the funding. And we bootstrapped. so we didn't, and it was very hard. But boy, am I proud of what we've done. We really, we really like hustled, and and I'm very proud of the fact that we're unbanked. I'm very proud of where we are. We have 50 employees and I'm I just really proud of what we've done so far. And I don't think our story is just so, like there's so much more we have to do, frankly.
0: Yeah, I completely agree with you. And congratulations, by the way, because I respect the hustle. There's a lot of work that it takes. Uh, I know when I started my podcast um, back in November of 2020, the only person I had listening was probably myself and like one other family member. So pretty much nobody. I know,
1: and I know. It was,
0: it was like that for like six to eight months. And I was spending like 10s, if not h- over 100 plus hours producing the content, doing the research, and uh, basically nothing was happening. And I kept on going. And then I ended up figuring out through a lot more time on research strategies that I could use to make it grow. And then I ended up doing it eventually. But it takes a lot of time and a lot of time of nothing. And those who can surpass that stage end up going really far. But yeah, it takes a lot of time and effort. But uh, the, those who do definitely pays off.
1: And that's why you have to really like what you do, too, because you have to be a little crazy. I mean, you think about it. You're taking all this risk. You're putting in all, all the effort, even if you're not financially risking anything, right? You're like, OK, I'm going to do a podcast. So It's low cost, low capital. All right, great. That's good. That's a smart model. But you're still putting in all the work. And at some level, like you have to find a way if you don't love what you're doing, it will show because you have you have to go through all the grind. And, and the best advice I give to people when they're trying to be, a, you know, start a company is find a way to make your first dollar. Because if you can figure out how to make a dollar, which is, you know, it should be in theory, it should be an easy thing to do. But in practice, when you're building a company, it's not always. But if you can do a dollar, you can basically do ten, and you can do hundred, and then it can become a thousand, and then you figure it out, no problem. Um, And that's the most important thing. And it reminds me of, and I've told the story before, but the the closest thing I can, it really resonated with me was there was this energy bar company. They started up as a Chicago and there's these two college graduates and they're basically talking about all the stuff they're gonna do, making this amazing energy bar. And then they're like, oh, we're gonna need a corporate office. And then they're like, we're gonna have to, they're planning all this shit, right? sorry Uh, and then they're planning all these costs and then the the dad says you guys just need to shut up and sell 100 bars yeah which which was so on the money it's like just just go sell some forget all the big vision for a moment just make some of your energy bars and go and sell them and then that was like the impetus of okay we got off our butts and we put in we put in the work and then it, tri- it became a business. It may have been small. It may not have been profitable, but it was a start. And then they just had to keep doing that over and over again. And it became a billion-dollar company.
0: Yeah, a lot of people, when starting uh, a startup or building a business, end up just going straight to being like, exactly as you said, I need an office, I need this, I need that. And then before you know it, they have a bunch of expenses and they haven't produced one single cent of revenue. And you got to do that revenue first before you even start to think about anything else.
1: That's 100% right. <clears throat> and that was actually on the, the business of mine that failed. Um, that was one of the, the things that we didn't do is that we didn't start – the the and another example of that would be Hyundai. So Hyundai uh, makes a pretty decent car, but they when they first got in the marketplace, they were like the cheapest, worst built car in the market. Basically, like a Hyundai was not a good car. And then they just kind of they were cheap though. So if you know if you needed a cheap car, it may not have been high quality, but it was high high quality, right? Range Rovers are you know very nice, but they're like the worst when it comes to fixing them. Keep that in mind. Um, but, but they basically built on top of success. So they took a, 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 low quality car and then they learned how to build a higher quality car. Now they make a very nice car, right? And that's something I would drive. So, um, and, and they do it affordably. Uh, and I think that's the same, it's the same concept of how to start from low cost, get some money, reinvest, build on top of that and before you know it. You, do, you got something special.
0: Yep, that's yeah. right. And uh, to wrap it up here, what would you say is your mission over at Unbanked? And uh, what should the audience take away?
1: Well, you know, we fundamentally are connecting, you know, DeFi and cryptocurrency to traditional systems. Like you want to spend money, uh, crypto on a debit card, we can do that. Bank account that lets you connect to a yield product, we're doing that. Like we're connecting, we're the, the hybrid model of connecting crypto and, and, and legacy systems. I'd say that the, the mission, the underlying mission, as we've, it's even more pressing now that we've sort of in a post COVID world, where people are appreciating having the ability to choose for themselves which direction they wanna go in life, right? Having been locked up for a couple of years and having things that we take for granted, not being any more kind of like available sometimes. Um, when, you, when you're dealing with money and people having the right to control their own money without having to ask for permission from a bank, I think that that's really important. So fundamentally, you know, we believe financial access and control is a fundamental human right. That, that that's our mission, and and I think that 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 ethos is going to carry with us for quite some time because people will choose to unbank themselves. They will choose to become their own bank, and then still have access to to banks. Uh, for, for services, but they'll have more control and they'll choose what they fundamentally want to do. And we hope Unbank will be will, will be one of those uh, companies that helps them.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Best of luck. And I, I do love the name, by the way. It's perfect. Very simple. Continued success to you and your company. But all right, everyone, that wraps it up for today's episode. Thanks for tuning in to the Envid podcast. And thank you, Daniel, for taking the time to hop on the pod. It was a pleasure.
1: And thanks, brother.
0: Disclaimer. The podcast you just heard is not a recommendation to buy or sell any stocks, holdings, or securities. The podcast is also not meant to serve as the basis of any investment decision.